Father, this morning, um, as we open up uh, the Gospel of John and and from it and hear what you have to say as we um, start this new sermon series this morning, um, just pray your spirit would be with us. And Lord, here's my specific prayer that, that this morning you would focus us on your word. You'd cut out all the other distractions, Lord, uh, distractions of things that we have to do and accomplish, distractions of uh, what this next week entails for us, uh, distractions of fears or anxieties. I just pray, Lord, for the next few minutes, you would just calm those down and that your spirit would speak to us very specifically this morning about how the truth that we're going to read from John chapter 15 applies directly to each and every one of us. Spirit, I pray you would do that this morning. In Christ's name, uh, amen. Uh, when I was five years old, my family moved here to Herndon, Virginia. Uh, so I've been in Northern Virginia for the vast majority of my life. And one thing that is true about the culture of Northern Virginia, and that is that it is fast pace. It is non-stop. And, and I love it. I'm going to be honest with you. I absolutely love it. We're always busy here in Northern Virginia. We work jobs that require long commutes and long hours and important work. Our weekends are busy. Our evenings are busy. Our churches are busy. Our schools are busy. Our kids are busy. Uh, in Northern Virginia, if you want to hang out with your friends, if you want to schedule a dinner with them, then what you're going to have to do is get involved in a marathon text chain, get your calendar out, and maybe the planets will align and schedules will come together. And sometime next month or the month after, you'll find an evening that you guys can all hang out, right? That's kind of the Northern Virginia way. I'll be honest with you. I think I kind of like it. I complain about this, about our culture, but I like it. I like being busy. I like having things to do. I, I get uncomfortable with silence and stillness, having nothing to do, nothing to produce, nothing to accomplish, nothing to distract my soul. I get uncomfortable with that. I don't know about you, but, but ever since everything got shut down, uh, through this pandemic, uh, no matter how hard I try to stay busy, and I, and I am busy, life is just not as busy anymore. Sure, I'm I'm still working full time hours, and I know many of you are, but you know, having all of my meetings via Zoom means less commute. All of my evening plans are canceled. All of my weekend plans are canceled. Many of the things that we were working on and getting ready to do in the church have been put on hold. And, and as much as I want to, to fight it, and, and even though my soul still feels busy, the truth is I'm not as busy. And my guess is that for most of you, definitely not all of you, it's true of you as well. No longer have the commute unless you're an essential worker. Your evening plans are, are gone. Your weekend plans are gone. Your travel is gone. If you travel a lot uh, for your work, well, you're not doing that right now. Even if you're working from home, there's only so much that you can do remotely. 
Uh, and I know some of you have lost your job or, or been furloughed, and, and that means altogether your days have opened up. Now, this is not all of you. Some of you are busier. If you are an essential worker and you do have to go in, you might be actually working more hours now. Or if you're a parent with kids who now are at home all the time, you're, you're trying to figure out how to do homeschooling now. And, and that can feel very stressful and busy. But regardless how this pandemic is affecting you, we are all experiencing major disruption in our life. We are all having to face a different kind of pace and way of life here in Northern Virginia. And I think that this disruption that 100% of people are experiencing, right? 100% of our church is experiencing a disruption right now. I think that presents us an opportunity that we need to leverage. We have an opportunity right now to, to hit pause on the busyness of our lives, hit pause on all of our plans, hit pause on all of the expectations that our culture puts on us and evaluate if our souls are really healthy. I mean, to truly be honest about if we have a healthy relationship with Jesus. And to ask the question, is the normal way of life that we're all used to, do we want to go back to that? Do we want to go back to crazy busyness that, that numbs our soul? Or do we want to experience what having a truly healthy soul is like? Because if I can speak with some boldness, as much as I personally love the, the, the busy Northern Virginia culture and as much as I'm a child of it and as much as I personally contribute to it, it's not healthy. It's not what God intends for us to live this way. And there is a better way to live that brings greater honor and glory to God and joy and contentment and peace to our souls. And so I'm really excited this morning because this morning we're, we're launching a, a new sermon series called Healthy Soul. We're just going to be in this for the month of May. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to call everybody in the church as we go through this sermon series to something that we're calling the Healthy Soul Challenge for the next 30 days. And here is the simple goal with the Healthy Soul Challenge is that we would all learn. This is it. This is it. This is all this is about. That we would all learn to slow down and abide in Jesus. That, that we would all slow down and learn what it means to linger in the presence of Jesus. That's it. That's the goal. My, my goal with this challenge isn't to give you a ton of things to do. My goal with this challenge isn't to make your life more frantic or to stress you out more. My goal with this challenge is to help you slow down and linger in the presence of Jesus. Give our souls some breathing room 
not numb and distract them with busyness and all these other things, but to build a true friendship with Jesus. And church, let me just, let me just be honest with you as, as your pastor right now. I'm not leading us into this sermon series and this healthy soul challenge from a place of strength. I personally am leading us, leading all of us into this from a place of weakness. As I mentioned earlier, I am a product of Northern Virginia culture. I contribute to it. I love busyness. I hate stillness in silence. And, and I have just, if, just as much of a heart of a time as, as the next person slowing down and sitting in the presence of Jesus, resting in Jesus, letting my soul find its worth and its value in Jesus and not the things that I'm doing and the things that I'm producing. And that's really the heart of the matter, isn't it? We're all wired into believing that our worth and our value is found in the things that we do, the things that we accomplish, the things that we produce, and therefore our souls are never at rest. They're always pestering us to do more, produce more, accomplish more. We're too lazy. Look at how much they're accomplishing and doing. We got to do what they're doing, and we're restless. My soul is restless. And so over this next month, I'm, I'm going to be teaching you things and leading you into things that I myself and my soul need to be taught and led into as well. And so this morning, as a way of uh, introduction of this series, I, I just want us all to look at a, a familiar and simple passage of scripture that's just going to put all of this into some pretty simple terms for us. And so if you have a Bible, open that up to the Gospel of, of John. It's the fourth book in the New Testament. The Gospel of John. And I'm going to be in chapter 15, and we're going to read John 15, verses 1 to 5. If you have that open, Let's read it together. You should also see the verses on your screen. Verses one to five. Here's Jesus teaching. He's just teaching all of us right now. And he says this. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing.
simple words from Jesus. It's going to put it all into perspective uh, for us. Let's just start real quick in verses one and two. Uh, Jesus is using this illustration of a vine to explain the relationship between God the Father, he, Jesus the Son, and us, followers of Jesus, as branches connected to the vine. And what Jesus does here is he actually makes it a very biblically rich statement here in verse one when he says, I am the true vine. That's actually a a big statement. We could do a whole sermon on just those five words. And and the reason is that because in, in Psalm 80, if you go to Psalm 80, all right, the nation of Israel, in, in the Old Testament, is described as a vine that God brought out of Egypt. Remember, Israel was enslaved in Egypt. God rescued them from their slavery. He brings them out of Egypt. And, and the Psalm says that they're like a vine that God planted in the promised land. And that this vine grew and it flourished because God rescued them and made them his people. Look at this. Psalm 80 verses 8 and 9 says this. The psalmist is praising God and he's saying, you, God, brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted that vine. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land, right? The people of God, the people of Israel, they're in the promised land like this flourishing vine. But the Old Testament also says that Israel, as this vine, turned away from God. Look at Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 21. God is saying, but I was the one who planted you, Israel, choosing a vine of the purest stock, the very best. How did you grow into this corrupt wild vine? And so when Jesus makes the claim that he is the true vine, what he is saying is that he himself, Jesus, represents the true righteous people of God, right? And whoever believes upon Christ and puts their trust in Christ will become a branch that is connected to the true vine. So obviously this would have been a really controversial statement for Jesus to say in his context to the Jews because they believed that they, that the Jews through their heritage, through keeping the law, that they were the true vine. They were the righteous people of God. But Jesus is saying, no, I am the true vine. I am the one who represents the righteous people of God. And and those who trust in me, they are connected to the true vine. So the, the true people of God here, according to Jesus, it's not a nation. It is the church, right? Those who are connected to the true vine. So so when Jesus says, I am the true vine, that is what he's saying. All of that history is wrapped up in just into these five words, all of that theology. And so what we learn here in verse two of our passage this morning is that the branches that are connected to this vine are going to bear fruit. These branches who are connected to Jesus as the true vine, they will bear fruit. They will live their lives in such a way that there is visible evidence of the connection to the true vine. 
right? So yesterday, my wife and I were in the yard. We were doing yard work most of the day. And my wife was out trimming all kinds of branches off of our hydrangea bushes and a hydrangea tree that we have in our backyard. So what she was doing was cutting off all of the branches that were not growing leaves that looked old and dead and brown. She's cutting those out and throwing them away. And she's leaving all of the branches on the tree that are that have leaves growing off of them. They are bearing fruit. There's visible evidence that they're alive and that they're connected to the actual tree. They're connected to the resources that the tree has. And God the Father is the vine dresser of this true vine that Jesus says that he is. Those who trust in Jesus They're connected to Jesus and they're going to produce a a certain kind of fruit, just like the leaves on that hydrangea tree in my backyard. They have evidence that they're alive and God the Father will continue to prune us and to cut us back and to do things so that we will bear more fruit. And if we bear no fruit of all, it says God the Father will cut us out altogether and, and, and toss us away because we're not connected to the true vine. But, but in verse three, Jesus makes it known here that his message, that, that what he's teaching us right here in these verses, it's not so much a warning to the dead branches that are not connected to the vine, that, that they're about to get tossed out. His message right here is actually to the branches that are connected into the vine. Look at what verse three says again. Jesus says very simply, Already you, so just these people that he's teaching, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So so Jesus makes it very clear here that those whom he's talking to are already connected to the tree, right? They are connected to Jesus, all right? And they are not connected to the true vine by anything else that they have done other than believing on the word that Jesus has spoken to them. I mean, it's referring to the gospel of Jesus. So the the verse says here that you are already clean. You're already connected into that vine because of the word I've spoken to you, because of the gospel that Jesus had been declaring to his disciples and also declares to us. So, So remember, what does the vine represent, right? The vine represents the righteous people who belong to God, the people who will experience eternal life. And we don't become a part of the vine. We don't become a part of these people by any works of our own. We become a part of this people through the word that Jesus has spoken, through the gospel, Right, so we become a part of the vine when we trust in the life of Jesus, believing that he lived a life without sin. We become a part of the vine when we trust in the death of Jesus, that he went to the cross, forgiving us, paying off the debt that we owe from all of our sin and giving us his righteousness. We become a part of the vine when we trust in the resurrection of Jesus, believing that his new life is our new life and that he has defeated death on our behalf, securing us for eternity. This is the word that Jesus has spoken. 
And we trust in that, we become a part of the vine, we're grafted in, and then our lives will begin to produce fruit that serve as evidence of our connection to Jesus, right? And so before we move on in our passage, I need to stop because we have to ask the question, right, right? Am I someone who has trusted in the gospel in this word? Am I someone that's connected into the vine because I have believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because the way you're connected with Jesus, it's not how you live your life, right? It's not through going to church or being nice to people or being very generous with your money, right? You can't produce this kind of fruit before you're connected to the vine, right? It's impossible. You have to surrender yourself to Jesus, believe on the gospel of Jesus Christ. He connects you in and then you can produce fruit. And so have you believed on the gospel? And that leads us to what Jesus has to say to all of us this morning. Remember, it's here in verse four and five. Remember, Jesus is speaking to those who are already clean. They're already connected to the vine because they've believed on the gospel. And so that's who he's talking to. So if that's you, he's speaking to you. And then look at what he says in verses four and five again. It says this, Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch, it cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Right, think about this with me for a second, right? Think about the cause-effect relationship that Jesus is, is very simply saying. You become a branch on the true vine, Jesus, through the gospel, right? He cleanses you of your sin, brings you in, right? You abide in Jesus, are connected into the nutrients that he provides, and then you produce fruit, cause-effect, right? It's not... You as the branch on your own produce fruit and prove your worthiness to be connected to the vine. No, Jesus refuted that in verse three. That's not how it works. You become a part of the vine through the gospel. You can't produce fruit before that. So it's not that. It's also not you become connected to the true vine by the gospel and then you produce fruit apart from Jesus. It's almost like the gospel got you into uh, this, this status of being a Christian, and now you kind of do all of these other things apart from Jesus and produce fruit. Well, that doesn't make sense either because Jesus himself is the very source of the nutrients and the resources that you need to produce fruit. So there's gotta be a flow, right, of nutrients and resources from the vine into you that actually produces fruit. And that's through abiding in Jesus, and it's this second organically inconsistent way of living our lives that I think we need to be challenged with in how we follow Jesus today. 
I think so many of us, we live our lives as if the gospel brought us in, we're a part of the vine, but we don't abide in Jesus. We just think we can live our lives and produce fruit apart from him. Jesus says, you can do nothing apart from me. I think we've settled into living Christian lives by believing the gospel. Yes. Hey, that's given me eternal life. I'm good with heaven. Great. But we seek to live our lives and produce fruit apart from Jesus, not through abiding in Jesus. Jesus. Notice in our passage this morning that there is a category. Think about this. There is a category of a Christian here uh, who is a branch on the vine. They are connected in. They have been cleansed through the gospel, but they are not actively abiding in Jesus. And just because you believe the gospel in your mind does not mean your soul is actively abiding in Jesus. And Jesus is saying very clearly here, apart from me, you can do nothing. You cannot produce the kind of fruit that I desire for your life if you don't abide in me. And so this morning, the, the, the two questions I wanna answer is this, what does it mean to abide in Jesus? And what kind of fruit will that produce? Because I wonder if we were all to evaluate our lives, look at the pace that we live our life, look at our schedules, look at our rhythms, look at the way we spend our minutes and our hours of each day, look at what we care about the most. Would we conclude that we live our lives with the belief that apart from Jesus, apart from abiding in him, I can do nothing? Or we conclude that all of the fruit that we're setting out to produce every single day, we seek to do it all on our own, apart from him. So let's ask, what does it mean to abide in Jesus? Well, to abide means to remain somewhere, to stay somewhere, to linger, all right? So, so let's not overcomplicate what Jesus is saying here. To abide in Jesus means to be fully present with Jesus in our whole being. Our soul is engaged with Jesus. Our minds are engaged with Jesus. Our bodies are present with Jesus, abiding in Jesus, spending time with Jesus. Right, right, this is not just a mental ascent. Abiding is not a mental ascent where we mentally believe the gospel and therefore we're abiding in Jesus in some intellectual way. That's part of it, certainly not all of it. All right, this isn't just some physical thing where we do the right things like go to church and make sure we do our Bible reading plan. Right, oh, yeah, that's part of it, certainly not all of it. All right, think of the branch connected to a vine. It's always connected. It's always receiving the resources it needs from the vine. And it's able to produce fruit because it's connected into the vine, vine always. So abiding in Jesus means a daily reliance upon receiving the necessary resources and strength needed to live in the way that Jesus has called us to live and to put our souls at rest. 
And here's where I think we need to be challenged this morning. And hear me on this, I'm challenging myself just as much. I think there are many of us who believe the gospel. We are a branch on that vine, but we don't daily abide in Jesus, relying on him to give us what we need to produce fruit. We try and do it on our own and our souls are healthy and I'm sorry, are unhealthy and discontent because of it. Right, a, a, a newborn child has an identity, right? They are the child of a particular mother who birthed that child. And, and that child relies on the, the milk from its mother for its nutrients and for strength and to be healthy and to flourish, right? But if that child were to refuse its mother's milk, would the identity of that child change? No, of course not. You can't change the identity of that child. That child will always be the child of that mother. But what that child will experience if it refuses the milk of its mother is it will suffer. It will be malnourished. It will be discontent. It will be unhealthy. It will be uncomfortable in life. It will be anxious in life because its body, its soul is hungry. It's without the nourishment that it needs. And this is how we mostly live the Christian life in our wealthy American culture, if I can be honest with you. This is what we do. It's not a matter of identity or if I believe in the gospel or not. It's not a matter of God accepts us in and through Jesus. He does, but so many of us refuse to abide in Jesus for strength. And we wonder why our souls are discontent and malnourished. We wonder why our souls are hungry and we're looking for so many other things to fill it. Abiding with Jesus means spending time with Jesus. Let me be honest with you something right now. I really believe that what we're speaking to right now is directly to the idols of our culture. And it's directly to the very way that Satan has a grip around us. And he doesn't let us experience what a healthy soul really looks like, right? It's no accident that right when I am speaking straight to the very things that prevent us from experiencing the joy that Jesus has for us, that everything goes down because this is something that our enemy doesn't want us to believe. The enemy wants us to believe that it's okay to live our lives constantly busy, putting Jesus on the side, not abiding in him, and just living our lives trying to do everything that we're trying to do all on our own. That's what he's doing. That is the lie that he has spoken into our ears. And as a culture, we have believed that lie. And we don't want to change. Like I said, we like the pace that we live because it allows our souls to be numbed out. So let me go back to what I was saying. This is how we live the Christian life, mostly in our wealthy American culture, right? We, we know in our heads the gospel and that Jesus accepts us in and through the cross, 
and what he accomplished through the gospel, we know that, but so many of us refuse to abide in Jesus for strength, to linger with him, to spend time with him, to believe that that is the most productive thing we can do. And we wonder why our souls are discontent and malnourished. We wonder why we're hungry and we're looking to everything else in the world, everything, our careers and our families and all of the things that we insert into our calendars, everything. We look to everything to fill our souls. And Jesus is saying, apart from me, none of it will work. It's the very lie that Satan has said to us. And we have believed it. And he's gonna do everything in his power to convince us that it's okay. Abiding with Jesus means spending time with Jesus, consistent, daily, unrushed, meaningful time with Jesus. Letting him minister to our souls. Receiving the milk that we need from him, strength from him. Yet so many of us refuse to, to budget time for that because it just doesn't quite meet our cost benefit, benefit analysis, does it? I mean, let's be honest. We refuse to budget time to spend with Jesus, to, to, to give it the priority that it deserves, to believe that we actually really need it because it doesn't meet the cost benefit analysis that we run and how we spend our time. We are so busy, so rushed. Our calendars are so full that to give Jesus one hour of uninterrupted solitary time every single day is considered radical. It's considered unrealistic. It's considered idealistic. Some people call it legalism. We're not talking about legalism right now. No one is talking about your identity and you being connected into the vine. What we're talking about is, will you actually receive what God is offering you by being connected to the vine? We're so important. Our jobs are so important. Our family obligations are so big. All of the activities that we're all involved in, that we're involved in and our kids are involved in, they're so necessary. Everything, right? It's just like we've packed so much stuff in and we look at the calendar and we say, it's all necessary. There's no way around this. That slowing down and letting our souls be with Jesus just isn't efficient enough for us in our culture. Jesus' way of fueling us and strengthening us just isn't efficient enough for our standards. And so let's be honest. We don't have the patience to abide with Jesus. He's not fast enough for us. He doesn't fit into our fast-paced culture and our standards of efficiency. And unless he can fit into all of that stuff, all of the things that we have prioritized over him, unless he can fit into that, abiding in Jesus is not practical. We've all been duped in our culture, completely duped into, into believing that apart from Jesus, we can do more. The word of God is saying, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. And we say back to him, no, Jesus, apart from you, I can do more. And yet we're irritable, we're tired, 
we're discontent, we're easily frustrated, our marriages are suffering, our kids are being discipled into a life of busyness, and we dream of a different life. Jesus has been saying, apart from me, your soul will not be healthy. It won't be content. You can do nothing. And and Jesus believed this when he was here. Right? If we look at the way that he lived his life, right? He had much more important work to do than, than any of us, yet he spent significant time abiding in the Father. So much so, it bothered his disciples. They thought Jesus was being selfish. Jesus, look at all these people who need you, and yet you're going off alone and spending time alone. And if Jesus needed to abide with the Father, then, then you do as well, and I do. Your soul is not exempt from it. Your personality doesn't predispose you to needing less time with Jesus. There's no way around it, right? Any defenses that the enemy is trying to conjure up on why there's a way around this, there's not. It's a lie. There's no way around it. You need time with Jesus. Because apart from him, you can do nothing. Apart from daily abiding in Jesus, your marriage will not flourish to the places that God desires for it. Where you're truly best friends and you can enjoy life together and laugh together and partner together and encourage each other and strengthen each other when things get hard. Without abiding in Jesus, you won't have that in your marriage. Apart from daily abiding in Jesus, you won't be salt and light in your workplace. If your soul doesn't receive what it needs from abiding in Jesus, it's going to look for that in your workplace, in the approval of your coworkers, in the advancement of your career. So it'll be too much of a risk for you to be an ambassador of Christ in your workplace. Apart from daily abiding in Jesus, you won't be able to deal with anxiety and depression. Praise God. That, that we have some medical solutions to these mental illnesses, but these are illnesses of the mind and of the soul as well. And if our soul is not healthy, finding strength and hope in Jesus, if we don't do that, we will not be able to have healthy minds while our soul remains malnourished. Right, apart from daily abiding in Jesus, you won't be able to heal from the wounds of your past. Apart from the daily abiding in Jesus, you won't be able to have the patience and the intentionality you need to parent your children. Apart from daily abiding in Jesus, you won't be able to embrace a life of singleness and experience the unique joy that God would have for you if he calls you to that life, wholly focused on what Christ has for you. Apart from daily abiding in Jesus, you won't be able to navigate the suffering and the tragedy that this fallen world will bring us. Like a pandemic or other fears. Apart from daily abiding in Jesus, you won't be a servant of others. Serving others instead of being served will wear you down and you'll get bitter. Friends, apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Here's the good news. 
the good news is that because of the gospel, Jesus abides in you. I want you to hear this this morning. Because of the gospel, because of what Christ accomplished on the cross and through his resurrection, he abides in you. So when you abide in him, he's always right there abiding in you. He won't leave you. He, he's there. He's not going to find more important things to do like we do. But I believe that it's time for all of us to say enough is enough in our culture because of the way we live in this culture, our souls are not healthy and it's time to believe in what Jesus taught us here in John, John 15 and go, okay, God, abiding in you, that's priority number one. It's above everything because I know my soul will not be healthy. And I know that apart from you, I can do nothing, not more. So this is why we're doing the Healthy Soul Challenge through the month of May, because we want to leverage the disruption of this pandemic to address this issue and begin to learn what it means to abide in Jesus, right? The whole point of this challenge is to help all of us, like I said earlier, slow down and abide in Jesus. So here's what I want you guys to do with the Healthy Soul Challenge. Tune in on Sundays. We're gonna be preaching through this. We're gonna be preaching through what prevents us from abiding in Jesus and how we can abide in Jesus. I want you to tune into our Monday live stream at noon. We do this every Monday on our Facebook live channel and our YouTube channel tune into that. We're going to get really practical and give you more advice and tips from God's word on how to abide in Jesus. I want you to register for the Healthy Soul Challenge uh, because at the Healthy Soul Challenge, what you're going to get is, is three things. You're going to get a daily guided meditation where you spend an hour every day with Jesus. And believe me, this meditation, it is minimal. There's not a lot in it because it's designed to help you slow down and be silent with Jesus. You're gonna receive weekly reflections to help you navigate what this looks like in your life. We sent out our first reflection on Friday. So if you sign up for the, for the uh, Healthy Soul Challenge this weekend, we'll send this reflection to you. But this is designed to help you carve out your daily hour. You need to carve out a daily hour with Jesus. And, and we give you uh, some steps to take to carve that out so that you can be consistent with it. We're also gonna put you on a healthy soul team of, of three total people so you guys can encourage each other and hold each other accountable through the next 30 days. So if you have not signed up for the Healthy Soul Challenge, gracehillchurch.com slash healthy soul, and there you can register for it. And I encourage you to do that today because the first meditations go out tomorrow morning. Grace Hill, my prayer is that we would all taste what it's like to have a healthy, well-nourished soul. Uh, our enemy has lied to us for long enough and we've allowed him to. And I think this is the point where we say enough is enough. Jesus, I'm gonna begin to abide in you now. Let me pray. Jesus, we just thank you for your word and how you teach us. And Jesus, we confess to you that 
we've fallen into this lie that says that you don't need to have significant time with us and that our souls don't need to have significant time with you that we can just kind of coast through our days and expect to still be fruitful and expect to be healthy and expect to be content and and joyful And, and God you tell us so clearly in scripture apart from me you can do nothing nothing and God we believe that apart from you we can do more and boy are we wrong Jesus, I pray that in this next month as we pursue this challenge and believe your word that, God, you would just meet us and you would help us to taste what it truly feels like to abide in you and to have healthy souls. We love you. We ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.